Who are you? My name is Bond. James Bond. Welcome back to Ranked, everybody. I'm Charles. I'm McCurdy. I'm Patterson. I'm Scott. I'm Nathan. Tonight, we are discussing Diamonds Are Forever, starring Sean Connery's back. He's back. What? (laughs) Yes. Remember that new world I talked about last week with OHMSS? Yeah, never mind about all that. James Bond goes full Austin Powers and Diamonds Are Forever. A story that puts 007 in the role of the Fonz who jumps the sh** out of a shark. I could lay out the ridiculous plot that is near impossible to follow, mixed with all kinds of stuff that makes no sense, but why ruin the fun? All you need to know is that Sean Connery's back for one last go-around with ridiculous and freaky LGBTQ assassins, a hilarious lunar rover chase, Jimmy Dean the Sausage Man, and Guy Hamilton doing everything possible to make sure your brain severs ties with Peter Hunt's Honor Majesty's Secret Service by going the complete opposite direction. Anybody that thought that dark, stark, and depressing film wasn't all that much fun, eat your f***ing heart out, because Diamonds Are Forever is the ultimate action comedy in the Bondverse. All that being said, McCurdy, what you got for us? Oh my lord. That is that is a very perfect intro to this film, for sure. Why try to make sense of this thing? No. There's no yeah. point. There's we a could lot spend of things. We'll all get into night, it. Like, we could spend the next six hours pointing out things that make no sense. I have at least But this movie's way too much fucking fun about. to be bogged down with anything that makes sense. All right, so let's, let's, yep. let's, uh, let's get into it. Let me answer your questions. So 1971, the first 70s Bond film, right? Remember I talked about last time, we talked about the last movie is really kind of the true last James Bond movie and the fact that it, it's during the whole height of the spy genre being popular. Now, the seven, you know, we're into the 70s, the 60s are over. And now we're into the the end, the the final film in the Connery era of Bond films. It's also considered the end of the Blofeld trilogy, so to speak. So last time, like Charlie said, we talked about Lysenby, why he didn't uh, sign a seven. He had a seven picture contract. He didn't sign it. So then this leaves Harry Salzman and Albert Broccoli in the conundrum. They're like, shit, we need to get a new Bond. So they start testing out other people right away. One of those people, and it kind of goes well with the film, is Adam West. And you may know Adam West from Family Guy as well as the 60s Batman. But uh, Adam West instantly was like, no, you have to have a Brit play this character. You can't, uh, it can't be a Yank. So they keep looking and they end up, they actually end up on this actor named John Gavin. John Gavin was probably most known for Psycho. He played, he wasn't the killer, but he was the guy in that movie. The boyfriend, yeah. Yeah, he was the boyfriend. But ultimately, United Artists with, Everything that went on publicly with the last film and all of that stuff ultimately was like, no, this we can't have the last thing we had last time. We need to make sure we have a hit on our hands. So they get Connery back. They say, no, you have to get Sean Connery back. And they had already signed John Gavin to the role. Real quick, uh, though, before you go on. So I understand that OHMSS was mm-hmm. not a success. Is there anything? I mean, is it like the numbers just weren't there because we lost Sean? It was a little more depressing. Were the reviews not that good? It's yeah, all I think it above. was just not what people were expecting out of the Bond film. And major, yeah. I think mostly it was you had a different guy playing Bond. And then also not to mention that I don't think I went into this t- uh, the last episode, but 
uh, Lysenby didn't really like he would go on interviews. He was bearded. He had long hair. He looked like a hippie. And he would literally tell people, oh, I'm not coming back. Now, if, you, if you're watching a franchise film and you're like, well, the star of the movie's not even coming back. Why should I even bother watching this movie? This sounds like this is the end of the franchise. I mean, that's going to hurt the box office. So they're like, no, we need to get Connery back. So United Artists says money's not an option. So they end up paying him $1.2 million for Connery to come back. I've heard also $2 million. It's somewhere in that range. But that's a lot of money, especially for that time. Actors generally were not paid million dollar contracts back that period of time. I think the most famous one of that or the first person to get paid like a million dollars that most people talk about is Marlon Brando in the first Superman movie. Sean Connery donated it, right? Yes. So Connery being a Scotsman, he decides to create he he even told this to the press. He was creating a grant for Scottish artists and writers. So it became a part of his trust that he would already started, but he was going to use that money anyway. So he took the 1.2 million. He put it in this trust for Scottish writers and artists so they didn't have to leave the country to get the money for the grant. And also he got a two picture deal out of it as well. Only one of those movies were actually made, but it also gave him the option to say, oh, yeah, I can do whatever movie. So, of course, he was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come back. Also returning Guy Hamilton, who directed Goldfinger, but also Charles Gray returns. And you may remember Charles Gray in You Only Live Twice, but he had a knife in his back. So it's the same actor in another Blofeld movie, only two movies ago, and they bring him back. He was the a... victim of knife in the back, can't run very fast. Yes. Guy. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he comes back. And then in the role of Tiffany Case, the Bond girl, we have Jill St. John and the other Bond girl, Lana Wood. Both, ironically, were alumni of the Batman 60s TV show. Jill St. John was most known for being the first Molly. In the show, the Molly was like the henchwoman. In every episode, there was like a hot girl that they would cast that was, you know, a henchwoman to the Riddler or the Penguin or whoever it was that week. She was the first to do that. Lana Wood would also be uh, one of the henchwoman. Pause. So McCurdy has some of his information twisted just a little bit. First of all, Jill St. John played a character named Molly, but the category of female henchwomen to the typically male bad guys were known as malls. So Molly was a mall, but not all malls were Molly's. Got it? Secondly, the aptly named Lana Wood was never in the 1960s Batman TV show, but she did date Adam West at the time who played Batman. So while she wasn't in Batman, Batman was most definitely in her. Moving on. And these two women did not like each other. There's a long drawn out story I could tell you dealing with uh, Lana Wood's sister's husband and all this other stuff. And if you know a little bit of Hollywood history, you you kind of know where that's at. You can look it up yourself. But I just the... want to hear about how they are yeah. also alumni of Sean Connery's penis. They are. They are. <laughs> so it's it, it's been uh, Lana Wood and Connery apparently were dating at this time. Uh, Connery, if you remember, I think we talked about it in You Only Live Twice. He was actually married. His wife did stunts and stuff for the film. At this point, he's in a divorce. Uh, he was dating Lana Wood. I think he apparently, uh, it was rumored that he slept with St. John as well during this film. Let me go into that as well, because Connery and a lot of the production crew in this film did not get a lot of sleep because they were filming in Vegas. So they were doing a lot of gambling. Connery was playing golf. Like he never got any sleep. He'd say like pretty much on the weekends he crashed. But throughout the entire week when they were during filming, he was gambling and, and playing golf and probably drinking heavily and banging Sounds the co-stars. <laughs> and, getting and plenty so of plenty. Oh, yeah, plenty. Oh, plenty. <laughs> yeah. The best and, line uh, in the film by far <laughs> is the... Hi, I'm Plenty. But of course you are. Plenty O'Toole. Named after your father, perhaps. Plenty O'Toole is straight up the male equivalent of pussy galore. 
Yeah. Yeah. And they give it to a chick, and he's just like, that doesn't add up. You must have been uh, named after your father. Well, well, <laughs> Connery apparently even held up production because he was he was winning so much. So he would go to get his winnings, <laughs> oh, and uh, they're like, Connery, you need it. We're we're shooting. Howard Hughes, he was a filmmaker. He was a, a, a entrepreneur. I mean, this guy did everything. He made movies. He flew airplanes. I think Scorsese did a whole movie on him. If I'm if I'm correct, yeah, right? the Aviator, the, the Aviator, the right? Aviator. He yeah. did all these. He, it's I mean, the way he's of the a big future. Dude. He had made a ton of a shit ton of money. But what's famous about him is that in, he owned the Desert Inn in Vegas. He owned several of the hotels in Vegas. But hmm. he hid himself away from the world for many years. Like he just decided, I'm going to live in my penthouse and not see anybody and just live there and run my empire from my penthouse. So there's a lot of those employees never saw him ever. He just hid in his penthouse. And also, I want to point out if you've ever played the game New Vegas, Yes. There's a I've character that. in yes. New Vegas so that bring is referenced to. Because every time I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, I want to play New Vegas now. Yeah. Um, yes. No, yes. I, I, that, yes. I caught that too. And I, yeah. I like flipped my. Yeah. So that's a reference to that to Howard Hughes. <laughs> and he was friends with like Albert Broccoli, who's one of the producers. So when uh, Broccoli was cut, because they originally wrote. Richard Baymom wrote a different script, of course, because they were going to make this a direct sequel to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. That didn't happen, right? So they had a different writer come on. And originally, it was going to be Goldfinger's twin was going to be the villain in this movie. They were going to make it so much attached to Goldfinger. They wanted to have Goldfinger's twin. They wanted to bring back that actor. What was They it? were going to bring back Gert to They were going to bring back Gert to play his twin, twin in this movie originally. <laughs> but then Broccoli had his dream of his friend Howard Hughes. And he was looking out the window from his penthouse and he looked in and it wasn't Howard Hughes. And he thought, oh, wouldn't that be an interesting story if Howard Hughes, because no one's seen Howard Hughes. So how do you know that Howard Hughes is actually running his empire? So he thought, wouldn't it be neat if like a villain, Blofeld, took over Howard Hughes and was running his empire and using it for his own clandestine, you know, so H became yeah. WW. Exactly. Very good. Mm, I didn't even think yeah. about that. Uh, but but what's <laughs> even funnier is that Jimmy Dean, Sausage King, he I believe he was a country music star. Is that correct? Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. was working. He was actually working for Howard Hughes in Vegas. And so when they went to Vegas to scout or whatever, they saw uh, Jimmy Dean's act and they're like, that's our Willard White. That's who's playing Willard White. And he's a lot and of fun. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's a lot of Baja. Baja. Yeah, yeah. Ba yeah. I don't have anything in Baja. Yeah, tell him uh, he's fired. He's angry the whole time. Bert Saxby, tell him he's fired. He was actually worried when he made the movie because he's like, because he knew that they would send the Bond films up to his penthouse. So he's like, oh, sh I'm the guy I'm working for, I'm doing a parody of him. Yeah. So <laughs> I was just like, that's interesting, but oh. I think it's it's good for the context because I don't think people realize like that was a thing that happened back then. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he was living in the Desert Inn during this when this filming's part. And even so much so that Broccoli was in contact with Howard Hughes and he uh, they, they would say, hey, we got word from the penthouse that, you know, everything, anything that that Albert Broccoli needs to make this movie, we'll give it to him. Essentially, so that was one of the reasons they were able to make this. Some of the can the you imagine having somebody like that on your side? That's amazing for you know? anything. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk, he really likes the ranked podcast. <laughs> he yeah. wants and he's yeah. completely <laughs> opened the doors for like, what? <laughs> cool, we do let's anything. Shoot next, let's shoot the next one on Mars, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I watched these movies as a kid in complete random order. It was like I would yeah. I'd get a new VHS from Target mm -hmm. every time I go for like 
10 bucks or, or whatever. Yeah. And so I watched them completely out of order. And for 10, 12 year old little Charles, it was like, okay, wait, I thought that that guy was Blofeld, but then that's Blofeld, but then that's also Blofeld, but then Blofeld has doubles. It was so odd as a kid that I always attributed the Bond world to something closer to Batman, right? Where don't even keep track of Batman and the Joker, right? Because every new story is just going to be, well, forget everything that's already happened, you know? And it's just like, just take these characters and put them in a new place. Yeah. When you do watch them in order, though, there is a clear logic between them all. And we pointed out how certain things don't add up, like in Secret Service, they don't recognize each other. There are certain things that you have to ignore to just enjoy the show. But there is kind of a through line throughout. And yeah, definitely through the Connery films, it adds up. But with Connery, what's interesting is you have You Only Live Twice... And then, you know, they do kind of try to pretend like Secret Service never happened. But then when you get to Diamonds Are Forever, it's almost like you wish that You Only Live Twice had been given the Diamonds Are Forever treatment, where You Only Live Twice is fun. Same old disclaimer. Love all these movies. But Diamonds Are Forever makes up for being awful by being f***ing hilarious and being so much fun and not giving Mm. a Right. Whereas You Only Live Twice would have benefited almost by jumping that shark and being even more funny and joke filled and ridiculous. This Blofeld compared to the You Only Live Twice Blofeld is fun. I don't think I would necessarily. I'm always going to opt for like the dark, stark and depressing stuff. So I do think that Secret Service Blofeld is a more diabolical guy. That Blofeld and hidden Blofeld, I think, are just superior on quality terms. But when it comes to goofiness... If only they could have brought in Charles Gray to be Blofeld and you only live twice and had him throughout the movie. The guy has a face of putty and like he Mm. he's straight up the Joker. Like he grins at one point. He's so dramatic. At one point, he like picks up that phone and he turns to camera and he's like, yes, bring my battles up. This is not the madness. One more word, Mitch, and I'll have you shot. Get back to your post. Prepare my bathos up immediately. He's yeah. like the Joker. He's fun to watch be evil. This guy cross-dresses. This guy cross-dresses yes! in this <laughs> That's film. True. Yes. That's true. That's the best part. In the it's same so way that Bond is, Bond is somebody different in every scene, so is Blofeld. Like, they're literally yeah. the same, but film. different. <laughs> and he straight up cross-dresses to get out of it. He didn't need to do that, but he did because he's just a crazy, maniacal, <laughs> super, the last super three evil movies genius. Have lowered Blofeld's peg for me. Yeah, every, yeah. every one. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. From I think the second Blofeld's a little like the second scene. Blofeld's definitely better than the first one, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you only live twice. Blofeld is just like nothing. Like he. I, I wish they would have taken his cartoonishness and they would have spread it across the whole movie. Oh, they did that with this movie. They took cartoon Blofeld, who's just fun. Like, straight up, they have a scene where there's two Blofelds, and Bond has (laughs) to choose which one is the real Blofeld. And, like, it's just... Like he can do anything now. I like he's just it. a super I like the evil idea genius. Of him having multiple blowouts. Scott, the scene that you're talking about is one of the strangest, most illogical scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, That's why I love Tiffany it. Case mm-hmm. is talking to Q, which it's like, why are you here? Like, yeah. Q, what are you doing here, bud? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. here for some reason yeah, because audiences yeah. like Q. Just That's Reagan, it. Reagan Vegas. Why wouldn't you? If you were Q, why the f- 
Could well, you they not like that Q Vegas? guy, so let's just have him. He made movie. everything. He made all the money. Yeah, five, but then Tiffany Case is like talking to Mr. Q and, and like, maybe you can help me out and all this other stuff. And then all of a sudden she looks over and she's like, cat. Wait, I'll be right back. And then <laughs> she, she recognizes goes, the cat. Look what the cat dragged in. But it's she never cat. met the she cat. She never saw. She's never she seen Blofeld. She doesn't Blofeld know who Blofeld is. Like, I'm delighted to meet you, Miss Case. She has no idea. Like, I mean, yeah. again, you could maybe make the assumption that, oh, she maybe met Blofeld in this operation. But it's like there's no evidence to suggest that. So I mean, it's the chauffeur does scene. then shove her into the car. So it's like, yeah. but she's like, do they but recognize she actively it? looking for that person. Like she yeah. leaves to look but for that's what I mean. the woman and the that's cat. That's just, that's one element in a massive list of shit that doesn't make sense or add up. But yeah. I'm so willing to forgive it because this movie yeah. isn't trying to be serious. Every movie before this, you can critique, you can approach it logically and be like, and that's what we've done for six episodes is like, none of this stuff makes sense and none of this adds up. But that's in movies that ask you to take them seriously. This movie never asks you to take it seriously. Not once. When it comes to movies, I'm naturally illogical. So when I see a motherfucker walk through a casino with a cat, I'm like, surely he's powerful. That makes sense. That's how it tied together. <laughs> I don't know what. But how do you react when you see an elephant playing slots? Perfect. We were, I love it. Makes well, one sense. time we talked about, I think we were talking about You Only Live Twice, and I was talking about how a trend in these films is that if the movie goes too fantastical, the next movie is going to be dark and grim, or is it mm. going to be yeah more realistic? By that logic, though, does that mean that if the film goes too dark, that the next movie is going to be lighthearted. We'll have to see because I'm I, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm wondering if that's the case in some of these later films. It's as if Sean Connery came in to grease the slide for Roger Moore to be <laughs> goofy as. F it's like <laughs> you have this weird yeah. transition. It's oh, like Jesus. stuff got really dark, <laughs> and then it's like eh, like reset the clock and and open the door to straight up Bond goofiness. The irony is that you know most people would associate Bond goofiness with Roger Moore, but we're seeing here that Sean Connery is the one who introduced it. He yeah. ushered in the era yeah. of he like goofiness. anchored the concept absolutely. Um, and I gotta say, it's fun. This movie is a slate wiping. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this is. It's like, try to compare the next Bond movie and the next actor to this <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask, I want to ask Patterson specifically, though, about Blofeld, because you were very harsh on Secret Service Blofeld, and this is, like, on, okay, so the, the, on the spectrum of Blofeld, I laid out last week. I, I'm kind of with Nans on this one, where it's like, it almost would have been better if I had just not watched this with any context whatsoever. This is the movie that, like, my wife, who hates Bond, can't stand watching these movies. This is the movie that she pictures in her head. <laughs> and to that effect, like, I think Blofeld... More so than I would say any other element of the movie. He basically is Dr. Eve. Like, it's just, it's just goofiness. I think it's more entertaining. Um, I'm still, it's like, I thought I had it figured out the last episode. Like, what I want to see in Blofeld. Like, what I, like, after I, I was like, okay, that's what I don't want to see in him. And now this movie is making me kind of take it in a completely <laughs> different direction of like, maybe it's okay to just have a campy Blofeld. Um, and maybe it's better for him to be that. Like, I think on your spectrum, I think flesh and blood Blofeld, the more you bring him into the light, the goofier he gets. 
he has to escalate. Yeah. He can't um, just be a guy running an allergy clinic. He has to be capable of of literally taking over the life of uh of some billionaire in a penthouse to take advantage of his money in order to pull off another devious world stealing plot, right? This is right. the summer blockbuster of Bond, not the dark independent film that we saw last time. Like no, you know, nobody's crying right. over a dead wife in this movie. This movie again, the subtitle of this movie is fuck it. Yeah. None yeah, of this it, makes it really sense. Is. It's just like at one point, like, please, somebody explain to me the scene where Bond is, again, pretending to be somebody else. He's doing the radiation shields. He's checking things out. Mm. He leaves and suddenly he's on, I don't know, a movie set where they're like faking the moon landing. What was and, and yeah. like, and they're like, yeah. there he is behind those rocks. Like it's <laughs> that's straight up out of Austin Powers. Mm. He gets into a lunar mobile a and he rover. busts out. And I just laugh the whole time because every time they cut to that moon mobile, it's like, me. And there's this- Bond. There's James Bond, super spy in that little bubble top. <laughs> me. You know, it. I love it. It's I love fucking it, hysterical. When they say behind the rocks, the astronauts don't even like they keep react moving like normal oh, people. Yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, they we're still character. on the moon. When they're trying to catch they're him, they're like, They're staying in character no. trying to catch him. And, and that's also like, <laughs> like yeah, for context, remember we talked about the space race in the last one, or in mm. You Only Live Twice, like it's still going on. People are still going to the moon at that point. So I think the idea was like, oh, they're faking the moon landing because a lot of people still think that today. Yeah. But what's the question is, Willard White, did he decide to uh, fake the moon landing or was that Blofeld? Also, I just want to mention, why did Blofeld put a sculpture or a a miniature of Baja, California? Baja. Baja, California. I haven't got a thing at Baja. Exactly. uh, (laughs) That makes no sense. Who did that? What, like, assistant of his was like, well, I thought you wanted your diorama up to date all the time. So when you made (laughs) the petroleum division, I went ahead and made the model and I put it in your little diorama, (laughs) sir. Baja! Baja! To further Patterson's point, I enjoy this jokey Blofeld more than... He's fun! Exposed and weak Blofeld. I, I... Ultimately, the best Blofeld is the hidden, ultra-powerful shadows controlling everything. In a serious movie, that's the way to approach it. Yes, that's the best one. But Blofeld cross-dressing exposed with multiple duplicates (laughs) and people everywhere. And multiple cats, too. Impersonating Texas people, you know. Willard White speaking. Yes, Governor, I got your message. That is... I think my second favorite Blofeld, and that's what I loved about this, is how much of a joke it was. Because where do you where do you go? You don't go back to Shadows Blofeld. You can't put him back in the shadows after you brought him out. Yeah, for two doesn't movies. go back into the box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you can't hide him again and make him some like ultra secret <laughs> character with tentacles well, he, and he shit. Does, he does reaching he, out, Scott. He does come back, but. Uh, well, he does. Not, yes, he, he comes but, back in this franchise. I should say. Yes, but he's, he's Moriarty but now. Films, he comes back. He's Moriarty. He's the Joker. He's yeah. eternal. There's. It's like, why doesn't Bond just kill him? Why doesn't he just kill Bond? That would be against the rules. They have too much fun fighting each other. I do so enjoy our little visits, Mister Bond. Similar to Charlie, when I 
I watched these movies like basically when I was at Thanksgiving at my grandparents' house and Bondathon was on. Bondathon. All yep. time. Um, Spike TV. That's it. I, but I uh, somehow this must have escaped my radar. This is actually my first time seeing it. Really? Yes. Okay, I have yeah. not go. seen this film before. Go. Uh, what you got? So I'm going to go ahead and say I almost want to apologize to McCurdy because <laughs> I almost am tempted to rank this last. Um, because it's just after last episode, yeah, you but, I got emotional, and you're like, I, oh, I've seen all the was, Bond films. This I'm, is the worst Bond. I was film. hoping you no, were gonna say rank this no. above Secret Service. Like, yeah, sorry, McCurdy, <laughs> but fuck you. you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll no, say this, Patterson, Patterson. If we're talking about the ranking, though, I I could I could see this going above. What? Well, hold on. Let's let's have. Yeah, Charlie, ask on. the question. Please, so yeah, wants to make I think, wants I think, to make honestly, a... I think we should go around the way. I wish we could just reveal it all at the same time because okay. I, I, I just want to say, first off, I do f***ing love this movie. Like I said, it makes up for being stupid, terrible by being yeah. hilarious and entertaining, <laughs> and anything is inevitably going to head towards self-awareness and goofiness, right? Bond is constantly pretending to be somebody else in this movie. And it adds this odd comedic factor that enables Sean to just have fun this time around. You are English? Yes, I'm English. I speak English. We were inseparable, you know. Please, Mr. Franks. Uh, Klaus Hergesheimer, G-section. Just uh, checking on radiation shields. Throughout the entire movie, he's a fraud and an imposter. At one point, he pretends to kill himself. And right. the chick, Tiffany Case, recognizes James Bond. My God. You just killed James Bond. Is that who it was? That, I thought Super that was so spy weird. that like, is supposed yeah. to be anonymous and figure? is just supposed to be the blunt <laughs> instrument of his government. That's false. Is apparently world famous and so is Blofeld. To the yes. point where it's now just straight up Batman versus the Joker. Blofeld is just like the Joker that's that's cap he's like an evil genius capable of doing anything. Apparently, as soon as he killed James Bond's wife, he went straight to work stockpiling diamonds to build a satellite to hold the world to ransom. In this movie, they reach superstar status. And that's yeah. stupid. And yeah. had this been You Only Live Twice, this movie would have been awful. But it's so fucking entertaining that very quickly, I was like somewhat taking notes on shit that doesn't make sense. And then I was like, this is pointless. Why even point out a single thing that doesn't make sense? Because that's not the point of this movie. And, and it only lends towards this discussion we've had so far. And it's only going to continue in the future. Bond has this spectrum of like serious, dark, stark, and depressing. And then just like shut up and have fun. Like, I suggest you just stop thinking it's, about it have it a was good almost time. kind of jarring to go from secret service to this absolutely oh, yeah. um, absolutely totally because yeah. it really it, like it just a cut like 180 tone shift complete 180 tone it's like shift. give the people what they want apparently they nobody wanted to walk out of the theater crying they're like what happened to bond <laughs> like normally i love it's like fun you know and they all walked out of the theater right depressed and they're yeah. like eh, but, we need yeah, to get I mean, back to bond using gadgets and shit you know, I agree with you. This movie's a lot of fun. This, I think, to me, I think this may have been one of the first movies I saw of the Bond series. I also yeah. Yeah, was a little creeped out by it too. It's honestly um, a a decent one to start with because it's straight up it, super spy. Yeah. Shit yeah. That if somebody had never watched James Bond and they wrote a Bond movie, it would be this movie. They would assume <laughs> yeah. that this is what Bond was, and then they would go watch older stuff and they'd be like, 
wait, it was like classy and realistic and to be taken seriously. And Diamonds Are Forever is like watching Austin Powers. Before we go any further, though, let's just get it out real quick. My rank is to put it at number six. This movie's definitely better than You Only Live Twice because I think You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever are the same style of movie. It's just that they realized with Diamonds Are Forever that they could take a more comedic approach and kind of elevate it a bit. But there's no way that you could possibly put it in that top five because the quality of those movies as just spy action movies are just always going to be far superior. I do love this movie, but as a farce, I can't justify putting it above Thunderball, but I can absolutely justify putting it above You Only Live Twice so far as I really wish that they would have gone comedic with You Only Live Twice. It's like they maybe did at parts, but it just made for a weaker movie that didn't really have interesting characters and all that. Whereas with this, I mean, at one point you have the Bond girl arguing with a 12-year-old over a stuffed animal and she literally tells him to (laughs) blow up his pants. The machine's fixed! Who's she, your mother? Blow up your pants. I just laugh the whole time at how ridiculous it is. It's just fun. I'm just going to go ahead and give my ranking here. I actually agree with uh, Charlie's ranking. I would still rank this personally above On Her Majesty's Secret Service. <laughs> and, but here's here's why. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and Does tell you why. Does he have a poem? Because On Her Majesty's Secret Service in my opinion tried to be something and failed to be what it, what it set out to be. I agree. Whereas this I, movie definitely succeeded in what it was trying to do. Which yeah. is why we don't I give a Our mission statement is not giving a and having fun. Sustaining, however, the arguments from last time, which we're not going to rehash because that's not this episode. (laughs) That was last episode. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I think it does belong above You Only Live Twice because I think You Only Live Twice can also be blamed for that same problem where like, I think they were trying to be serious in You Only Live Twice. They just failed. Whereas yeah, this yeah, movie, I, was, I think, yeah, You Only Live Twice is very much a science fiction, yeah. over-the-top movie. This, yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I think I would put that in the same spot, for sure. Yeah, I think we're going to, I'm going to put it at six. And I also think this movie, from a cinematography standpoint, I think this is one of the uglier movies. Mainly because the two colors that I'm wearing that I see a lot in this movie. It's not everywhere, for sure, but you got that mustard yellow and brown combination that was prevalent in the early, or late I was 60s, say, early 70s. 70s look. Yeah, very, it's very, very much look. in the movie, and I always think of those two colors when I watch this movie, because as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, there's another mustard yellow, there's another brown, and even with uh, Bambi and Thumper, like that's their outfits, is one's wearing brown, one's wearing yellow. Nans, go ahead with your rank, then I'll finish. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the same boat as uh, Patterson on this one, where I've never seen this one, and I wish what Charlie said was true for me, in terms of you cry laughing watching this. I was just scratching my head the whole time. <laughs> that's kind of uh, yeah. how I, I was. I was like, what? Is I was like, what? Movie. If you're going to be yelling out, what the f***? It's also going to be Diamonds Are Forever. I think yeah. I think after watching, you know, just being a Bond fan for so long, it is so self-referential, which I, I generally frown upon, but they take it to such a degree that eventually the movie just wins you over and you're just like, I don't give a shit anymore. McCurdy, you mentioned the questions and that... That was me watching this movie. It's just question after question after question. And just what is th- happening? That reaction, was my experience. Yeah, my gut reaction <laughs> yeah. to the movie. It was bewilderment my, more than it was bemusement. Yeah. <laughs> my impression yeah. was just a question. And that question for this movie, everything happening in it is just like, what the hell? 
Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have seen it. Charlie, you've seen it. You understand what it is. So you can come in with an expectation and know to kind of cover your ears, cover your eyes a little bit and just like throw the blinders on and try to enjoy it, I guess. Coming in blind, it's just like, what's going on? And I have a hard time separating it as like, okay, this is a comedy. This is a different type of James Bond. Look at it differently. Maybe these films aren't necessarily meant to watch back to back to back like we're doing. Like if back in the day, you watched them as they came out every few years or whatever, it would be easier to separate it out like that. But coming in fresh off of all the other movies we've seen so far into this one, it's just confusing. And the only way I can rank it right now is just based off of entertainment value. If I had to choose a movie to watch again right now of the ones we've already seen, this would be at the bottom of my list. I think I would rank this last. But I could definitely see like Patterson's point about uh, You Only Live Twice. It failed to achieve what it was trying to do. You mean, you mean our did achieve it? Secret Service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, but I mean, I, Patterson, I think you mentioned you only live twice, right? Yeah, Both. I said I said I would put I, I'm agreeing with <laughs> but, Charlie's yeah. order of putting it above you it's, only live twice and below. So it's a tone it thing, a, though, right? It's a achieve, tone right? thing. So yeah, like you only live achieve. twice says take us seriously. Right. Secret Service says really take us seriously. This is the equivalent but they of fail. watching Batman Begins and then going and watching a Joel Schumacher, you know, Batman yeah, and Batman Robin forever. It's it's like if they had followed up Batman Begins with Batman Forever, and you're like, "What the hell yeah, happened?" That's you know? basically yeah. what it's like. Yeah. Yes, straight up. Maybe if you guys had told me before you watch this, Nathan, keep in mind, it's a joke. The whole movie is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> then I would McCurdy have been like, went, more able to enjoy it. it. <laughs> he said something to McCurdy that said last week. Bond dies after this. Like, yeah. Secret <laughs> Service, the last that's true like, Bond film. Yeah, I think like he done. Said At that point, the yeah. franchise died with Tracy. And imagine being George Lazenby watching this movie and being like, "Christ, I'm glad I got out when I did." <laughs> but that bullet. Yeah. like we said last week, though, Sean Please. Connery has it. The guy yeah, yeah. Has, has it, it in spades, it. and I've never watched a Sean Connery movie, and and I didn't enjoy it. He's one of those rare stars of extraordinary that no matter sucks, what they're doing, and he's the you, star of that movie. I even love that you. movie. I'm I really say that movie do. Sucks. It's but just it's we're just getting it's, way that's off a stupid. With getting into those, if you like that movie, you'll like this movie. Yeah. So I can yeah, I, I want to switch I, gears. I, I, I want to finish. Just with my I'll ranking, let you, I'll before let you we continue. I'll let you finish here. that. I, I, I want to build off of Nan's. It is tough going into this film after the last several, especially after the last one. Being a very yeah. serious film, very emotional. And then you walk into this film and you're like, what the f*** is this? <laughs> and, and it's funny. It is so funny. There's so many quips, so many good moments. It, it Exactly as Patterson said, it hits its point to what it needs to be. And yep. and this is why I will go as far as ranking this one right now. My range is five to six. Okay. As of current. But I would go as far as ranking this above Thunderball. So I cannot in in good conscience, I can't put it above 
Thunderball because Thunderball, no matter all the shit I talk about Thunderball, even just the underwater fight at the end alone is enough to rank it above. Thunderball wasn't enough to put it above the first three Connery films. When it comes to Connery Bond, those first four are so rock solid that I just can't in good conscience put Diamonds Are Forever above any of those. But I can absolutely put it above You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not to keep reiterating, I can but, see that. But Correct. Like, you only live twice. I really wish they would have brought in Guy Hamilton to do what he did for Diamonds Are Forever to do that. To yeah. you only live twice. I have strong childhood memories of Mister Went and Mister Kid. Yeah. As soon as they came back hey, on, you? I'm like, these two motherfuckers, <laughs> god damn it. Let's talk, let's, Scott, let's talk about those two guys. So, so Mister <laughs> yeah, McCurdy, Kid? please tell us how they're the basis for Dumb and Dumber. Oh I my God! So Mr. So Mr. Went and they Mr. straight up Kid. are. They I, have I, to be. Go talk yeah. to okay, so whoever Mr. wrote Dumb and Dumber, or it was the whatever brothers. They guaranteed it was these guys. <laughs> that so so Mr. Kid is played by musician Putter Smith, which I don't think any of you guys are going to know who that is. But <laughs> Mr. Went is played by Crispin Glover's father. You know Crispin Glover from Back to the Future. He professional weirdo. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. professional weirdo. So the apple did not fall far from the tree, so to speak, after watching this movie. But Bruce Glover plays Mr. Wint. Now, when I was watching the behind-the-scenes stuff for this movie, Bruce Glover makes it pretty clear that he's like, there's no mixing words here. These two are definitely gay. So when they created the character, Glover's just like, yeah, I mean, I looked at Putter and I was like, he's he's basically my toy. Like, this is... Like he's my bitch, kind of. Like he didn't say and they that. They don't but, hide that at all. But no. I love, I love all. But he said there's all no. that jealousy and all it's that stuff says. that's in there. Yeah, I love the, I love that line where he's like, he gets down. And she's like, she's very attractive. They're both aboard. I must say, Miss K seems quite attractive for a lady. <laughs> for, he yeah, looks for at, a lady. He looks at her, <laughs> and he's like, and I, the at dude? the end, when when uh, when kid, right, kids, bald kid guy, is the one, the bald one, kids, yeah. the bald one. When he is on fire and jumps in the water, for half a second, I actually feel really bad for Wind. <laughs> You know, because yeah. he's he, he, he's like he looks at him like, oh, huh. he, he just goes right back to choking bond. You know, and I, you, you feel a little sorry for him in that yeah. moment. You know, yeah. like had they not tried to kill bond, they would have had a nice life together going off and just being weird sociopaths. They are he deserved it. He thought attacking them with flaming skewers but we talked was a about good idea. There's a joke in there. We flaming just have to find it. Yeah. <laughs> like we're like just now. Flaming but then <laughs> what, a, what a brilliant. <laughs> We were ranking this based on what movie would make the best drinking game. Top of the list. Period. <laughs> no question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Every time our dumb and dumber decide to do something that's vaguely homoerotic, that's a yeah. drink. They're, they're, um, oh my God. They're my, I mean, they, they're my favorite characters in this whole movie. For Absolutely. Like them just because they're so weird. Charlie, you talked about, I mean, we did Goldfinger. You even mentioned it's like one of my favorite things is every time you see Odd Job, he has a little jingle, yeah. a little Bing! thing. This yeah. movie does the same thing. It's Guy Hamilton. So this movie, you get every time you see Mr. Kidd and Mr. Went, they have their own dark, weird theme song. Yeah. What a brilliant death where he pulls his legs between yeah. this is Mr. Went. And then he's like, he certainly it's had ridiculous. his tails between his legs. Yeah, which, like, which is... And he blows up. On, on, that note, on that note, I think what that's the only Bond joke in this movie. Well, he certainly left with his tails between his legs. 
Here's the you irony. You think it'd be riddled with Bond exactly, jokes. Exactly. Exactly. The, the irony is that this movie that is is a comedy. This is the first comedy we've come across. Yeah. Um, no, it, it is. Yeah. Straight up. I, I would not even call it an action film first. It yeah. is a comedy movie. Straight up. I, yeah. I laugh. Like, okay. I said last week, if you were going to cry watching one Bond movie, it's probably going to be Secret Service. If you're going to cry laughing watching yeah. a Bond movie, it's going to be Diamonds Are Forever. And it's... Agreed. They just are shameless about it and they just don't give a fuck. They just wanted yeah. to go back to, let's just entertain people. And Sean Connery's getting old. So let's not do any, you know, he's not like young and sleek. He's old and sleek. And what do you do to compensate for the action that Bond was capable of in the past? You just straight up have him just be like an older, goofy guy who who wouldn't believably beat anybody up, but they just have him cracking jokes the whole time. The Bond jokes, though, there's like, welcome to hell, Blofeld, which isn't really a Bond joke as That's much a as... Rhyme. Welcome to hell, Blofeld. Last week, I failed to mention that George Lazenby somehow pulls off what I deem the best Bond joke. He had lots of guts. The double meaning with he had lots of guts, that immediately elevated it right mm, to the top of yeah. my list. And the way he says it to just, he had lots of guts. And she's like, oh, really? <laughs> like it's so, that moment is so perfect that I got to give it up to Lazenby for taking the top, the top spot of my list is now George Lazenby. Now, he's not on the top of many lists, but he's the top of mine when it comes to Bond jokes right now. Now, Charlie, I have to challenge you on one Bond joke. You're, you're saying this one only had maybe a couple. You yeah. missed one, I think. When he's comparing her as a blonde versus a brunette, where he says, I tend to notice little things like that, whether a girl is a blonde or a brunette. And which do you prefer? Oh, providing the collars and cuffs match. He says funny stuff constantly. What I'm saying is that for me, uh, my list is, my definition of a Bond joke is, remember the rules. Uh, a murder has just taken place and then it's it's punny or whatever, oh, okay. right? Yeah. So you only have Blofeld Welcome to Hell or Welcome to Hell Blofeld and uh, he left with his tail between his legs. The actual, my, my definition of Bond jokes are really weak in this movie, but Bond otherwise is hilarious throughout. He has a funny yeah. line for absolutely everything going on. I'm afraid you've caught me with more than my hands up. Hey, what the hell is this? Thank you very much. I was just out walking my rat, and I seem to have lost my way. And yeah. every time that he shows up in a new location, he just has some line ready to go. Again, they, it's like they compensated for his, like, not doing a bunch of crazy action. For him just being a super spy that apparently the world knows of now, that just shows up and he's like, hey, I'm the Acme inspector or whatever. He didn't try to sneak his way onto that oil rig. He just showed up like, I'm James fucking Bond, bitch. Everybody knows my name, and I'm a super spy. He had a Playboy card with James Bond on it. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, like, it's so self-aware. <laughs> there TV interviews with him or something? So, yeah. yeah. And Mr. Went and Mr. Kid had so many good one-liners in this. Like, they're back and forth. They basically took all the Bond jokes and gave them to Went and Kid. Very moving. Heartwarming, Mr. Went. A glowing tribute, Mr. Kidd. Yeah, yeah. Wynn and Kidd are essentially the 
evil version of Bond whenever Bond kills somebody and he's got some quippy line. They gave all of that to Wint and Kid. He got bitten and, by the bug. Yeah. <laughs> bitten by the bug. Who are you? Dr. Tynan sent us. Why didn't he come himself? He was taken sick. Bitten by the bug. Okay, so on your point about Connery, I actually like Connery a lot in this movie, for one. Totally. I don't think he... I actually think he's a lot more, yeah, like you said, this movie's a lot more fun, right? He phoned it in for You Only Live Twice, but yeah. he tried in this one. You said, hey, he's old now, but yeah. I want to put something into context for you all, because I was doing the math. Connery is only 40 in this movie. Now, I say only 40 because our next Bond, Roger Moore, will be 42 in his first, or no, he's 42 currently while this movie, I think, is being made. Wow. Roger Moore looks amazing. He does not look Okay, subtract old. old and add in and fat. He doesn't get, no, oh, Connery is f***ing fat in this movie. Okay, let me add other ones. Daniel Craig, currently, his last Bond film, 53. That's what I Pierce thought. Pierce Brosnan, wow. when he did Goldeneye, he was 42. Mm, and wow. Dalton was 41 when he did Living Daylights. Wait, 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 so, 42 so when just, he did Goldeneye. Yeah, so to wow. for Connery to come out and be like, I'm old. Like, no, Connery, you're not Gosh, old. old. You just stop giving a shit. Didn't yeah. stop going to the gym, started drinking and eating whatever the f you wanted because Scottish. you're making a million dollars on a fucking movie. I just want to have sex and eat ice cream. <laughs> and honestly, now, like, yeah. if you're Sean Connery, why not live that He's way? still, yeah. but I, yeah. I think Connery's performance, like, I would do the something same. that I didn't mention last time was that, and I, I'd, I'd seen this on a different podcast or different show, but they mentioned about how Lazenby's performance, because Lazenby wasn't an actor, when Lazenby is pretending to be Sir Hillary, he really is just trying to play Sir Hillary. He's not really trying to play a character playing another character. But in this movie, you can really see Connery's talent in playing a character playing another character. Yes? Peter Franks. Third floor. Guten Abend. Good evening. Vita? Every single scene he's yeah. in, he's yeah. pretending to be somebody else. But when he's in Holland, when they're in Amsterdam and he like sees uh, Peter Grave, he's like acting like he's from Holland. But he does such a fantastic, I think he does a fantastic job there. He's so much fun. That's what I mean. It's just so much fun. Try to follow the plot. I mean, any one of you try to tell me the plot right now. The plot of the movie, no to me yeah. at least, was that there around was with some kind of, they were trying to figure out why diamonds were getting smuggled out. And for some reason, Bond, that was the mission that Bond was given was like, figure out mm -hmm. what's going on with these diamonds. Much like in Goldfinger, where it was like, Goldfinger smuggling gold out, we got to figure out how he's doing it. And it just so happens in Goldfinger that he comes across this uh, devious plot. But in this movie, it's kind of the same plot in that regard, where he's trying to figure out where these diamonds are going. So he's following the chain. Meanwhile, Mr. Kidd and Mr. Wint are closing the chain, killing off all of the loose ends in that chain. Yeah. Which, by the way, we never know if they're Spectre agents or not, because this film never mentions Spectre once. It only yeah. talks about right, it and it. that's it. And so it. while Bond is on that following note, though, that chain, what we talked about was why don't they just separate Blofeld from Spectre entirely? It's like they were listening in on our point, conversation well. last week, and it's like, okay, now Blofeld is as much of a super villain as Bond is a super spy superhero, Yeah, right? They are 
Batman, and Joker. They are each capable of doing anything to the point where now Blofeld has body doubles and everything. It's almost like in the way that they thought about maybe giving Bond or Blofeld plastic surgery in Secret Service to justify why they don't recognize each other. They straight up just say, whatever, fuck it, whatever. Blofeld has body doubles that he he hires other guys to to double him so that Blofeld can literally be eternal now. He can never go away. He just keeps coming back, you know? Yeah. He's like Michael Myers now. But yeah, essentially the movie is him finding this diamond chain of where the diamonds are going. He ends up finding out that the diamonds are being used for this special laser satellite, which I think there was a line in there about diamonds were used for the first laser. And we talked about in Goldfinger, lasers were only been around for like three years at that point. So the idea that there's a space laser that yeah. is uh, just going to basically be the ransom... <laughs> The, it's the same as like a nuclear weapon. It's like now it's like a laser that's in space, which which we'll return to in other films. Yeah, of course. But okay, so uh, that's all road. well and good, right? That's the general plot. Yeah, Bond is trying to find the source, like where are all these diamonds yeah. going? Went and Kit are trying to close that up, cover their tra- cover the tracks cover the of tracks. whoever is stockpiling them. But within that domain, yeah, you have all this crazy shit happening that doesn't make any sense and you're just along for this ride almost like this movie's this movie's closer to snatch than it is to you know bonds yeah any like the, other and bond you mentioned movie, the right? uh, you mentioned the tiffany case uh line where it's like you just killed james bond because i was gonna talk about how this film kind of has headcanon right like is the canon that Se- self-awareness like this, self-awareness yeah, just, headcanon is for fans for self-awareness sure. is for but then franchises when you start that have gone about it is it far, is the question long. is is bond like you had said is like is bond a celebrity do people know who why i mean the only time that the public has ever mentioned who james bond is is in you only live twice when he gets killed we as americans don't even know who killed osama bin laden yeah right like we have no idea nobody who should know is. who bond is but apparently now yeah. everybody knows who he is because yeah. this movie is again franchises go on too long And then they become self-aware and that either hurts it like Daniel Craig is starting to become too (laughs) self-aware yeah, and that's hurting the franchise. Yeah. Again, McCurdy laid out the overall plot, but the twists and turns don't make any sense. And eventually you're just along for the ride where it's like you have this weird cast of characters. It's just like this rotating carousel. Like when he goes back to the hotel room with Plenty O'Toole and all the gangsters are there, the gangsters were there just to throw Plenty out the window and then they leave. Mm. I, it just at, at, at a certain point, you just go, F- it. I'm just along for the ride yeah. on this Austin Powers uh, carousel and i don't I, I it's not worth your time trying to figure this movie out this movie is just fun <laughs> mccurdy let's talk a bit we we didn't really flesh out last week we didn't really flesh out story versus plot and i think these two movies definitely showcase the difference right okay. whereas you went on about how guys look secret service has so it much has in the story. story department and what story is what we talked about is like you have plot which is the things that happen Versus story, which incorporates characters, and then how characters react to things that happen, and they change. That's generally what a story is, is showcasing how a character or characters change and bond. Or don't change. Or don't change. And that's the thing. What happens with Secret Service is that Bond comes into the story, he Mm -hmm. changes, 
But then right at the end, he changes back. I mean, we don't, well, okay, hang on. Bond changes so far as he gets married and he's ready to leave this life behind. But then that life is taken from him so that by the time you get to the beginning of this movie, it's straight up the moment in Austin Powers where he's like, oh no, my wife died. I guess that means I'm single again. Yeah! (laughs) You know, like where it's just, Bond is right back to where he was. Yeah. Bond changed to change right back. But we have, at least that movie has a, a story arc in the sense that like we can't keep going on doing these films where he's a superhero essentially he does yeah. the same things he fight like and i kept and saying the same thing but he has emotional to make a f- superhero yeah. again no exactly. I'm not, I'm not, when i say exactly. superhero when i'm saying superhero i'm not talking about like superheroes and like superman i'm talking about him you talk just, about like the vulnerability of the character or yeah. lack thereof bond is a superhero He's invincible. He's emotionally, he does not, nothing hurts him emotionally. Nothing hurts him. I mean, things can hurt him physically, but he, he brushes it off. Honor Majesty's Secret Service demonstrates that that was not what that bond was as far as things do hit him emotionally, especially toward, mainly towards the end of the film. And there is a kind of an emotional journey with that character. So when I said that that film had story, it has a lot of story, whether the plot of the movie makes sense or not, which is what you guys were arguing last time. And you're right that, that typically a story like that is going to have themes. And the theme yeah, of that exactly. story was Bond's career versus his life and yeah, exactly. Bond, Bond being a tool of Her Majesty versus being his own man. And our point, our overall point with that was that those were the themes and were they completely realized? Eh, go watch that episode. They may yeah. or may not have been completely realized. And Whereas I think, with I think this it's also movie, taste. they threw all of that out yes. and they just made a big summer blockbuster that everybody could eat popcorn and laugh and not cry and just have fun. And this movie, I mean, yeah, Charlie, you were talking about the plot of this movie is a little weird and wonky, but just because a movie's plot heavy does not make it a bad movie. I would have thought that this movie was written by Roald Dahl. Like, if you told me that Roald Dahl wrote this movie, I'd be like, totally. Yeah, And that's what I mean, is there such a connection between this film and You Only Live Twice, but You Only Live Twice asks you to take it seriously. This movie says right off the bat, it's like, don't take this seriously and you'll have a good time. I do feel like they tried to build off of the last film in the beginning with opening up with Sean Out Connery just killing everything. Just yeah, killing just everybody. They just have to tie like, up the loose ends that the last movie made. Yeah. I think they could have gone farther with it and they just decided again. People didn't watch movies like they watch television shows like they do today. Like we don't have a streaming mm. service. Like back then, if you wanted to see the old movie, you had to wait to see if it was re-released because yeah. there was no VHS tapes. I mean, Betamax and VHS were just coming out and just coming onto the market, but not everybody owned those things. And usually it was to record old television shows. So the only time I you don't could even see think a movie, the Betamax is out yet. It's the only way to watch a movie was if it was on TV or if the theater did a re-release of it. So a lot of these weird shortcomings that we're noticing now kind of get glossed over when these movies came out because people just were like oh yeah i remember i vaguely remember this thing happening in the last movie but the intention like i think i said last time was that they were going to have this movie be a direct sequel to honor majesty's secret service the end of the movie where tracy gets killed was going to be the beginning of this movie and then it would have been a revenge story where Bond would be going after Blofeld and Drago was going to come back and Irma Blunt was going to come back. And obviously they threw all that out and decided, f*** it, we're going to Vegas, baby. You really had to change Bond. You could not have had George Lazenby jump into this. As much as we said, wouldn't it have been cool to see Sean Connery in Secret Service? With this, it's like, wouldn't you love to have seen George Lazenby try to play this role like in another universe? Like, 
you know, Rick and Morty style, pull this movie from another universe and watch it with Lazenby and just be like, this is basically our man Flint. You know, this it'd basically yeah. be a Flint movie with George Lazenby. I mean, like tall, lanky yeah. British guy banging a bunch of chicks with a plot that doesn't make any sense and with a super bad guy. Hey, in like Flint, that's my favorite movie. And we got a lot of cars in this movie. There's more cars in this we movie. We haven't talked a lot of cars. Than any of the other films. So, Nans, what was your impression of the uh, the Vegas chase scene? Best part of the movie. Well, I was actually opinion. thinking of mentioning, so when, when Charlie brought up that like lunar rover chase scene, that starts <laughs> like a, what, 15, 20 minute episode of Dukes of Hazard in the middle of James Bond. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I looked it up. Up. I was like, was this inspired by Dukes of Hazzard? Because I'm not too familiar with that show. And yeah. apparently it was like mid to later 70s. So this was before that. I mean, the, the chase scene was fun. But at the same time, it's like everyone chasing them is a moron. So it's like, are they in danger? Apparently not because yeah. the cops are idiots and <laughs> everyone else is an idiot just crashing into each other and driving off of cliffs and stuff. So, I mean, I, I enjoyed the chase scene, but I wouldn't place it all that high against the other chase scenes in, in the other movies. That's fair. That's fair. But uh, so interesting about the, that chase scene, though, the famous car flip, the car when he gets the car on the side, goofy mm-hmm. moment, right? Oh, and then if they you switch. guys notice, <laughs> goes through the car one way, comes out the alley the other way. Yeah. And the only reason that was because they originally filmed it correctly and they f***ed it up the second time or when it comes out because they filmed the first part in a studio. At least they inserted a shot where they switch. How that was the that um, was the fix. Physics, how the physics works on that. I don't, I don't it doesn't. doesn't. Uh, again, f- yeah. it. this whole That's movie is the, f- the this movie. Uh, whatever. How does Bond get out of the situation? He flips f- a car on two wheels <laughs> because he's a super spy that can do anything. He's yeah. literally the James Bond that everybody in the world knows now he's capable of anything there's nothing outside of the bounds of imagination and all that shit. this movie asks you to not critique it that's yep. why it works the primary emotion that i felt watching it really was confusion and not just oh, yeah. at the plot which is without a doubt super confusing but it's also made me like i think i've said in previous episodes that like the the bonds that i like the most the ones where that have like the good action and they don't really try to get like too super deep and all that stuff and now i'm like maybe i don't like that um because <laughs> honestly i don't know if i like having bond be funny this movie kind of makes me question whether or not i like the campy bond feel um <laughs> I, I, yeah, like it, it, it's like I'm a, like a 15 year old bisexual young man who doesn't know he's bisexual and he's been into girls. And then one day he sees 300 and now he's thinking about a lot of things that he wasn't thinking about before. Um, so like, that's kind of how this movie's made it's me the feel. the best analogy I've heard. Are you sure it wasn't kid and went? <laughs> maybe maybe it was kid no, those but... two sexy motherfuckers i want to ask you though to, to just clarify a bit are you saying that you once liked funny bond but this movie made you question it or first i'm gonna to, to I, i'm gonna reference but he's <laughs> paying in advance I, I think daniel craig movies have got me fucked up because like for a while that yeah. was like my percept uh, like mm-hmm. for i i watched you know, these movies, the the older movies when I was a kid, like a, a young kid, and at the time, not watching it with any sense of, like, film critique. I'm just like, this is shit to watch on TV, and there's explosions and babes, so, like, of course I'm going to watch this when I'm 13 years old, not paying attention. Yeah. And then now, like, the 
Bond movies that I'm used to are the Craig movies where it's taken really seriously, but some of those weren't good. So until we started doing this podcast, I would have said, yeah, I prefer the older ones because I remembered having more fun watching those. And this movie, which I hadn't, again, hadn't seen before until now, I was like, maybe I don't like the older one. Like, maybe I am just like a serious Bond guy because I feel like I enjoy those films more. Every neighborhood that Bond lives in, I can I can visit there. I prefer mm-hmm. to live in the area populated by Sirius Bond, where it is closer to the books, it's closer to the character, right, that Ian Fleming originally created. It's the same thing as uh, uh, Chris Tolkien, um, J.R. Tolkien's son, who's mm-hmm. like, well, I hate the Lord of the Rings movies. I hate the Hobbit movies. And you're like, why? He's like, you, you took my father's legacy and you turned it into an action schlock movie. You turned it into this goofy shit. You ruined what he created. And you go, yeah, but it's a movie. And that's kind of what this movie represents. Ian Fleming is probably spinning around in his grave. Like, none of my spy career was like this. And Cubby Broccoli just goes, it's a movie. We're here to please an audience and have fun. And last time, we really tried to do something profound. And we kind of fell on our face. But that movie, Secret Service, is the prototype for when Dalton comes, when Craig comes in, where you are to take this stuff seriously. But then eventually, Craig movies will get goofy. And he's probably done now. But then the next iteration of Bond might get goofy, right? This stuff ebbs and flows as it has to over a long series of time. What these Bond movies are shaping up to, as we've been building on over time, is very serious or goofy, or kind of a mixture of the two. And this is going to be our conversation for the next several months, doing the rest mm-hmm. of these films. And with this one, it's so much fun. My cup of tea is generally going to be the more serious ones. But then visiting Crazy Town is fun, so long as the movie's like this, where it's f- it. I mean, this might as well be the Casino Royale parody movie. And at this point, to McCurdy's point last week, that's where the spy genre was kind of headed. And that all eventually leads to Austin Powers that owns that genre, right? So far as the jokes are concerned, until Batman Begins comes along and like revolutionizes everybody's thoughts on everything. But I think with Thunderball, the argument there was they really tried. Nothing says it better than reach exceeding grasp. They really tried, and that movie is to be taken seriously. There's nothing about that movie to not take seriously. But with Diamonds Are Forever, it's such a farce that you never once question whether Bond is going to get killed or not. I mean, even when Bond is literally in an oven, suddenly he's just saved. Like deus ex machina style, just like, he's saved. You dirty, double-crossing, limey, finkos, goddamn diamonds are phonies. Where are the f***ing diamonds? And, yeah, they're like, where are yeah. you, you f***ing limey f***? Where are the goddamn diamonds? And then I just laugh, because it's like, yeah. here we are again. Like It's like the movie Snatch. Everybody's going after like this dance? product, and everybody yeah. who everybody who touches <laughs> the product dies. I mean, it's like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. It's like mm-hmm. it's like all these action comedies. It's a Guy where, Ritchie movie. Like, it's a guy it's a. Yeah, before he was born. Curious how everyone who touches those diamonds seems to die. As a Bond purist, I'll probably always rank the more serious movies higher uh, on principle alone. But intention does matter, right? And again, you only live twice set out for you to take it really seriously. 
and it accidentally was goofy. It didn't mean to be goefy. It accidentally was goofy. This movie means to be goofy. And and, and I think it achieves what it was trying to do. Definitely achieves So that. much yeah. harder than, um, I think Honor Majesty's Circuit Service is to be respected, though it failed to really achieve what it was trying to do. Because you can read between the lines and see what Peter Hunt was trying to do. And he didn't exactly get there he got there enough to earn our fourth spot otherwise he could have gotten number one on her majesty's secret service could have gotten number one it didn't quite batman begins this though right (laughs) it's right at that sweet spot of number four and then right below that i think thunderball lives where it tried to achieve something big and it just sunk below the surface you only live twice just ended with a cartoon and i think that's just at the bottom with Diamonds Are Forever just above it where Diamonds Are Forever doesn't give a f- It doesn't even want to be on this list. It's just like, <laughs> f- you. I don't care about your stupid ass list. I'm a fun ass movie. Okay. <laughs> this is my a very quick interjection. If you had taken Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever and made him the bad guy in Thunderball... Thunderball would be a much higher ranked movie. <laughs> yeah. That is my argument here is I'm sorry, I love how jokingly stupid this film is. Right idea, Mr. Baum. But wrong pussy. It is so one of a kind within the Connery world. So Scott, I want to hear what you have to say about the theme song for this particular movie. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. 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 I'm sorry, Jens. This is this is number one. Period. Really? You put this at number one? Yep. Okay, let me back and, you up and, real and quick. I'm, let gonna me back drink, you up. I'm gonna drink ahead of time. Hold on. <laughs> oh. We've been doing Has that there been episode? a more iconic Bond theme song <laughs> for all of time? No. Yes. There hasn't. There has <laughs> not. From yes, Kanye has. to repeating <laughs> no. this song, this song has lasted. Set, it, decades, decades. What, what you haven't said, Scott, decades. What you have not said so far is why you you how you define a Bond song. So I'm going to define yeah. it for you in your absence. Okay. For me, I rank very highly this song, and and specifically Goldfinger. And you put, mm-hmm. I know you put Thunderball above Goldfinger, but I think, I and it happens to be Shirley Bassey or whatever that, that did yep. these two, but I think what defines a Bond song for me is that it has a certain level of sexiness. And that's mm-hmm. why when Patterson brought up You Only Live Twice, I while that song is beautiful, so it is a beautiful song, it's not sexy. Whereas Diamonds Are Forever and Goldfinger, when those big ass horns hit, you know you're mm-hmm. watching a Bond movie. You, yep. It just there's like this sexy, this, this like sexy sax man comes in, and you got this yep. sexiness that comes along okay. with a, a Bond movie. The big horns you talked about. So if that's your definition, I'll accept that Diamonds Are Forever is a better Bond song. But I would just say You Only Live Twice is just a better song. I, I think uh, I think 100%. Diamonds Are Forever is obnoxious. Here's where I go back to my original argument. Sorry, McCurdy, give me one second. I told you my <laughs> my favorite Bond song out of all the ones we've had so far is From Russia With Love. Okay, I disagree with you. Scott, I'm on with you with the level of like the orchestra, like the sound of of Diamonds Are Forever as far as it 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 
feels like a Bond song. Uh, more unlike, because, uh, because uh, yeah, I like, like, Patterson, I like You Only Live Twice. I like the song. I like the melody yeah, of that song. Yeah, it's a good song. But yes. It's a great song. But as yes. a, just a Bond song. <laughs> a Bond um, intro. Diamonds Are Forever is more of a Bond song. However, yes. that being said, I don't like Diamonds Are Forever because it's a very obnoxious song. It is. And they and repeat why is the that? lyrics, and I have why? to hear forever. Why? Forever. Forever. Yeah. For, like it, like you could you could do like a ten hour YouTube cut, and have Shirley Bassey going diamonds are forever, 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 and like just you could forever. do that with any Bond and song. It would, no, not not any Bond song. Just yes, this song. That's not true. Yes, you could. Gold just finger, this Bond song. Gold, gold finger, finger, finger. Here's the thing. I'm just saying. I like Goldfinger more than I like Diamonds Are Forever. Fine. Fine. I like Goldfinger more than I like. I, I still have also. Goldfinger at number See, three. Going, yeah, this I isn't a bad. And I don't hate. I don't absolutely hate this song. Like I'm not like this is bottom of the list, go to sh kind of song. It's just I. It's not my favorite. It's not one of my favorites. No, I agree with McCurdy. I think Goldfinger's a better. Let me finish. If, okay. if if I go to anybody on the street and I say recite one Bond song for me outside of the recent Bond songs, because everybody's gonna. King sing Skyfall. Say Skyfall. Yeah. Skyfall's the They're going to go why. to Diamonds Are Forever. Because they of are. Kanye. Mm, I think and, people and, are going to go and, to and Goldfinger. Because of Kanye. Because of Kanye. I disagree. Yes, yeah. But it, it lasted the ages. Wait, Patterson, and, and do you disagree with Scott or do you disagree with me? It's a brilliant song. It's still no, it, I, I it agree is. with you, McCurdy. I agree a 100% lot of crap with you. gets remembered forever, too, though. Yes. <laughs> like I, my I dad just remembers think, uh, the Goobers and Raisinets commercials. Just, see, I, like, I just, just think, because uh, it's go ahead, memorable. Yeah, I just think Goldfinger good. is just way more yeah. iconic. I <laughs> drink I can't say it or else you have to drink. See, I'll drink I, with I drink you, because I, I, I said would say the same thing. I'll drink, but I, I will back this up with facts or at least like reasonings. Try. So, what are you drinking, by the way? Straight uh, cranberry vodka. Moon, like, moonshine? Cranberry vodka. Okay. So oh, you guys are twins. What I actually did, you know those little like flavor squirt things. Are you uh-huh. Patterson? Do you go by uh, Mr. Wint? Or yeah, Mr. Mr. Kid? Wint, Mr. <laughs> Kid. Or we, do we have two <laughs> here? Or what are, <laughs> you want to hold hands? Who's uh, Who's Mr. Wint? Mr. Keep Which, by the way, you guys know Mr. Mr. Kid was definitely the bottom, right? Yeah, he was the bottom. Bitch. The bitch. He was yeah. the power bottom. Well, yeah. I have to say to you, Skies, you keep that bullshit up, and I'm going to write a poem about you. Write it. <laughs> write it. No, please. So. Please do. After the last one, I would love to. <laughs> I would feel honored to have a poem written about me. <laughs> I will. Please. Patterson, I'll hold your hand, buddy. Please. I appreciate that. Goldfinger in um, your ass, you two. So, <laughs> Patterson, rank, I'll be your rank, Mr. Kid okay. to Mr. Wentz. McCurdy and Patterson, tell me your order so far. My order? Ooh. Yes. I would put Goldfinger's number one based on the definition. Because, okay, I, I did say You Only Live Twice because I think it's the best song so far. But if we're going to talk it about is a great song. Bond song... Yeah. Then definitely Goldfinger because I think it is. It's so the most, sexy. It's definitely a sexy song. 
Um, it's it just also, hits with those horns right away. That's how you know it's, it's a also the most on theme. It's also the most on theme to what the movie yeah. is about. The man with the, the Midas touch. touch. Yeah, yeah, like it is very on theme to what the movie is about. A spider's um, touch. Oh, so yeah, you guys, I just got a little like. Yeah. Which song would you want to f to? It's probably gonna be. Goldfinger. Here's any song women would want to f to. Diamonds are forever. Exactly. While you put a diamond on her finger. So the two c don't understand that. That's fine. No. Yeah. Mr. Kid, Mr. Wint <laughs> over here. No. I'd put Goldfinger. I'd probably say I'd say Goldfinger, then Thunderball, then probably You Only Live Twice, then From Russia with Love, then Diamonds Are Forever, and then uh, Three Blind Mice. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I might change that mice. order a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Ask your daughter what the best song is. It's three by mice. <laughs> it's three by mice. I like it. Okay. Okay. I'm willing to concede because Diamonds Are Forever and Goldfinger are equally big Bond songs for me in the beginning. And these I, I, two stay top of the order through the rest of the Bond so franchise. I'll, I'll for say me. Diamonds Are Forever you need is number get... two based on the Bond song How? criteria. You don't keep Diamonds like Are Forever in the better. top 10 through all 24, McCurdy? Nope. Absolutely. You're not. out of your goddamn mind. I am Shut not up. out of my goddamn stay, mind. I am stay with, in your time. Stay the at the bottom. Shut up. Real Bond fans would be like, get the f out. No, There's the door. no what get... Bond fans are going to say? Every Diamonds Bond fan is going to be forever. like, no, dude, get... Any Shirley Bassey song Cause, cause is Because we're going to get to the ten. next Bond front. The next Bond Bonds film, Fronts. I think, is the next Bond the film, drink, I think, has drink right now. <laughs> drink, Bonds bitch. Fronts. Don't you dare reference Paul I never McCartney. said the name. Gift. You're I referencing name. Paul McCartney. I'll drink. Yeah, I said that one's in the top McCurdy, but never said his that name. hasn't happened yet. To quickly bring this back to rank, Charlie, earlier I said I would be willing to rank this above Thunderball. And you said under your belief, you could not let that happen. I just want to very quickly Make a case hear for why it, please, that's though. not. We have cross-dressing Blofeld, as I brought up. We have... Yeah. Mr. Wit and Mr. Kid, arguably the funniest combo of villains we've had. Actually, the only they're actually probably you know had. we were doing doing a list of assassins, right? Like they are the most effective assassins to date. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah. they are the most fleshed out characters. They have this weird relationship. It, yeah, they're fun to watch. And yet, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, and by the way, when they said he was bitten by the bug originally, they there's a deleted scene where instead of putting the scorpion in his back, he opens up. He says he's like. Like, okay, look in his mouth. And he goes like, ah. So the dentist is looking in his mouth and he's going, ah. And then Mr. Went grabs the scorpion and shoves it in his mouth. And that's how he <laughs> dies. There's another deleted scene with Shady Tree. And you actually see how they kill him. They they actually, in Charlie kept bringing up the Joker. They shoot a gun with like a joke <laughs> bang thing, like oh the Joker would. And then they shoot Shady Tree <laughs> in the back of the head <laughs> with the same gun. <laughs> Uh, in the deleted scene, so we actually see how he got killed. But there, there's actually a couple of deleted scenes in this film. Sammy Davis Jr. actually appeared in this movie. Wow. They ain't never gonna get a cake big enough to put him on top of. <laughs> was he just a big Bond fan and was just like, I want to be in these movies? They put him, yeah, they put him in the movie and then they he had a deleted scene and then they cut it. Uh, but there, that's, that's kind of how this stuff always scenes. goes. It's like something becomes big, right? Ed Sheeran and then, and and then suddenly... 
everybody yes. wants to be yeah Ed Sheeran's a perfect example suddenly yeah. everybody wants a cameo once something becomes big you open the door to everybody wants a piece of it and then eventually you have Sammy Davis Jr. in your movie that 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 like I actually did watch that deleted scene and I see why they deleted it because it's awful it's just like pointless. <laughs> it doesn't really add anything. To it doesn't movie. add anything other than just like Sammy Davis Jr. is in this movie. I can see yeah. why you got rid of this because all it is is like, well, my cousin's uncle's niece wanted to be in this because they knew it was going to be a big deal. Back when we were making the fucking thing, nobody gave a shit. Like when we were making Dr. No, nobody knew who we are. We were flying below the radar. But now sure. everybody wants a piece of us and that slowly brings your shit down and and the the self awareness rises right, and that's the fate of any franchise. Go watch Star Wars, and to Patterson's point last week, it's like Star Wars is chock full of mistakes. You may love when that music kicks in and it brings you right back to your childhood, but this movie takes it to such a degree. This movie's like watching what Solo probably was meant to be, like the the original Solo movie directed by those guys that are comedians was probably going to be don't take this seriously and just have fun and then the the you know the the powers that be at Disney were like no 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 you need to take this all like super seriously super seriously and then they brought in Ron Howard to like make it dark really dark and like serious this movie is like we just don't give a f- other than we just want to please an audience and i think it absolutely achieves what it sets out to do but that doesn't mean that it's better than goldfinger or from russia with love or dr no or even thunderball or even secret service i think it sits perfectly at that sixth spot just above you only live twice and i think you can make the argument like as we go on and this i don't think this counts as me referencing other films but like I bet we'll probably rank this above other movies on that basis. Yeah. I I mean, we talked about this in the last episode, but like I rank things based on whether or not they could have avoided mistakes. And in this case, it was campy enough that you can't really call them mistakes. Yeah. They were just around. And when that's the context, like it's okay to have dumb shit. It. And I so, love that. I, I I love that. Just to build off of your point, Patterson, to go mm-hmm. back to mine. That's that's what makes me love this film so much that they just did not give a shit. again. Like I said, the last film, it was good to have an emotional bond and have that break from you know doesn't give a about woman, doesn't want to marry, etc. To just fun bond, fun Blofeld, etc. It's 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 a good break. It, again, it's a breath of fresh air. I think to your point, this movie makes a point about like today we have the, you know, the superhero franchise genre, right? Like, and I always bring this Mm -hmm. up because that's a, it's a really good parallel because of totally, you know, it's the, that is what's in right now, whether it's, you're specifically talking about the Marvel movies or just all of them in general, Mm -hmm. but you know, those movies keep going on and going on and people, you know, at some point a franchise or an idea or whatever is in vogue begins to lose its luster and it either has to do two things it either has to transcend what it's doing which you get with films like the dark knight where yes that's even before the marvel films but still that movie was trying to do something a little more adult with the franchise and you see that with like films like logan or some elements in some of the avengers movies or you go the other way which this movie does like deadpool 
where it's a comedy where you're making a where everything is almost a farce you're making jokes yeah. about things you're making parodies mm-hmm. and that's kind of interesting really in, the, in this yeah. element because mm-hmm. honor matches secret service definitely and i still think even though you you guys disagree that yeah it fails in many ways in some ways i still think that movie well we don't have to go back but what i'm saying is that that's what it's doing it's trying to transcend just same old thing bond comes in he saves the day he gets the girl mm-hmm. he, he stops the bad guy without any emotional relevance like he's still a superhero throughout it deserves the, respect the character yeah we're on a boat at the end again and then but then <laughs> yeah. this movie comes along and it's like charlie keeps saying like it you know like we're just gonna have fun yeah. it doesn't deserve respect but it wasn't asking for it exactly it yeah, doesn't we're give just, a shit. we're just doing silly shit and you know it's gonna be yeah, fun exactly. and we're gonna have gorillas and you know blow up your pants kid yeah and car flippy thing to recite our order it is goldfinger don't die on me as i throw up he was bitten by the bug (laughs) (laughs) bitten by the bug (laughs) (laughs) okay Goldfinger from Russia <laughs> with love. With love. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Doctor No. Doctor No. Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Thunderball. Get- Diamonds are forever. forever. You only live twice. twice. I think that list is is perfect. Again, I still think we have a, a, a solid rock hard diamond uh list going on here. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, yes. and we are at number uh, 007. This is episode 007. If knowing what to expect with this movie, I could see myself wanting to rewatch this one rather than rewatch You Only Live Twice. Especially knowing Bond literally has a boner joke in this movie. Unless <laughs> yeah. I'm, like what? You've caught me with more than my hands up. Like you've got me with more than my hands. Unless it's something else, it's got to be a boner joke, right? Yeah, very important moment in film history: James Bond making a boner joke. I'm afraid you've caught me with more than my hands up. The fact that this is Connery's last film, and we'd already toasted to him, I would have said Connery. He's dead. But, but because I think this, these two characters are the epitome of this movie. Not only are they fucking goofy. But they're probably the most delightful and most fun, entertaining characters to watch in this movie is Mr. Kid and Mr. Went. They yes. elevated the yes. Bond universe to that level of ridiculousness that straight up opened the door for Mike Myers right. and Austin Powers. Like and all we that. have them to thank for Austin Powers. Yeah. So to so, so this <laughs> this toast it. goes to uh, Putter Smith, who plays Mr. Kid, and Bruce Oliver, uh, Chris Glover, or sorry, Bruce Glover. Who plays Mr. Wentz? Yeah. To the Bond versus uh, first LGBTQ plus <laughs> assassins. First Cheers and only. Assassins. Cheers. We fed Bond in the ass until he died. <laughs> Finger, 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 fin